where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid in Puke, we're going back to the future with Gerard Bush and Christopher Wren's debut, Antebellum, a divisive social justice-themed horror film starring Kiersey Clemens, Gabourey Sidibe and the Janelle Monet. There she is. Guess what? Daddy is going to get you dressed for school today. We are descendants of the gods. This land was always ours. But we must never relent. We're nowhere. Virginia, right? I can tell. You're special. We are the future. You. You're not like the others. What are we doing? What is the plan? On today's episode of Paid and Puke, we're talking about the 2020 film, hot off the presses, Antebellum. The debut of writer-director team Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz, who I also think are a couple. It's their debut, and it is interesting to note that Gerard Bush is a black man and Christopher Renz is a white man. Normally that probably wouldn't matter too much, but in the case of this movie, I think it's important to be aware of what perspective they're coming from. So anyway, I'm so thrown by the critical response from this movie. (laughs) It just came out yesterday, and when we pulled it up to watch last night, there was the Rotten Tomatoes score right next to the title, and it said 32%, which was like, what? And we didn't look into it any further, and we clicked on the movie and watched it, and then afterwards, (laughs) went back and looked at it, and by this morning, it's down to 29%. There are over 100 reviews up. I think there was a hold on this. No one could publish their reviews until yesterday. Most of the reviews are written by white men, interestingly enough. Most of the positive reviews are written by women. I could only find two reviews that were written by people of color, two black women, and they both did not like it. But they were also the only people who, I didn't read all 111 reviews, (laughs) but I read select ones, and they were the only ones who had any valid points, I thought. One of them said she was just tired of seeing black people suffer on screen, which is totally valid. And the other person said that she thought that it wasn't as uplifting as it was trying to be for African Americans. She didn't come away from it feeling vindicated or heard in any way. Everyone else was just kind of like, it was icky. (laughs) One woman literally used the word icky to describe. She said, icky slavery tropes. 
What? <laughs> <laughs> You know, those yeah. tropes like that we used to own people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. those tiresome movie tropes. But the interesting thing, I think, is that we all liked it, right? I mean, yeah, we I haven't talked it. about I, it I too much. I wouldn't say I but, loved it, but I yeah. liked it. I mean, I am also very thrown by, like, really 29% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, after we were done watching it, I felt like, even in bed at night, I was still thinking about the movie. I really like when movies stick with you for a long time after you see them, and I felt like that had that effect on me. Janelle Monet was incredible and because we got to watch it like we watched it again I felt like in the first couple parts that we watched when we did the rewatch got more things out of it and then yeah. I just kept thinking about it last night I think the commercials were hyping up a big twist and they advertised that a lot I guess it was billed as a horror story but I mean it's definitely it is, is a horror it's definitely a horror yeah. film or, I don't know like I'm not like a horror aficionado necessarily <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. like well maybe they were let down in that way about the show i don't know i i was just trying to figure out why do mm-hmm. they think that this was bad you know right. and i can't figure it out because i really liked it maybe it is a problem with marketing and that's not the filmmaker's fault because they don't really get to decide how a movie is marketed especially not a first-time filmmaker team i feel like they probably got a lot of responses from people being like look you've never done this before let us take this and obviously they had a lot of problems too with the release it was supposed to come out months ago and then they really wanted to release it in the theaters and have a big big theatrical experience and they weren't able to do that because of everything that happened so yeah i mean maybe they did play up the twist too much maybe people wouldn't have felt as betrayed or whatever they felt if it had been said straight out what was going on As we've said before, this is a spoiler-filled podcast, so we're going to spoil the twist. It's impossible to talk about without doing that. So maybe if we'd known from the get-go, this is the same person, Janelle Monae's Mm -hmm. character. We first meet her as Eden, seemingly a slave at antebellum times. We must choose among wisely. But until then, we keep our heads down and our mouths Shut. Do you understand me? But she's saying that's not her name. But she's really Victoria. Veronica. Veronica. (laughs) She's really Veronica, this social justice, intersectional feminist author, successful author, who's giving talks and going on the news. What I also learned through those experiences is within our authenticity lies our real power. And that's even in those environments which by design demand our complete and total assimilation. And they're the same person. Maybe if we'd gone into that knowing it, or these other people who didn't like the movie had gone into that knowing that, they wouldn't have felt as much like the twist is too gimmicky. Because that was a lot of... A lot of people saying that the twist is gimmicky. It's just... Right. I mean, I I felt like maybe it's not so much a twist as more of a reveal than a twist, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, as I've seen some people saying that the twist is obvious, you could see it coming, which I never see anything coming, so I didn't see that coming. (laughs) But I also don't really try. In the trailer, you can see planes flying over the plantation, so I guess if the twist is this is happening right now, it's not really in the slavery era. I can see that. Maybe that's obvious to people from the get-go the twist is that this is actually happening in modern times I yeah mean, and if that's what you I mean I wonder if a lot of these people watching like you were saying you don't really think about it you just watch the movie and trust the movie and let it happen mm-hmm. 
Versus people who are trying to outsmart the movie. Right. So if that's the case, then I kind of feel bad for them if that's how they have to watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. I have to know what's going on. I have to be smarter than the movie. I have to be yeah. ahead of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. Just yeah, take it in and let it happen. <laughs> have the story told to you the way that the filmmakers wanted to tell the story. Yeah. It seems like I would take all the enjoyment out of it. Just being, like, so academic about watching it and waiting for the certain beat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, there is a lot of different types of film criticism. I am a film critic also. I haven't thrown up my <laughs> review on Rotten Tomatoes, but now I feel like I should just to try and balance it out a little bit more. I come from, I guess, an academic background, but I don't try to bring it too much into my reviews. My reviews are more about how a movie made me feel than where it stands in the zeitgeist of all of cinema, you know? So right. <laughs> I feel like a lot of the people who hated it were people coming from that perspective. Yeah. All these other movies did this better, or mm-hmm. I saw a couple references to a book, Kindred, they were like, this did it better if it had been this book instead of this movie. It wasn't, though. It was this movie that these right. people wrote. Yeah. We're talking about this movie. I mean, I know film doesn't exist in a vacuum, but it does feel a little bit like people weren't being fair. Maybe part of the problem is that it was hyped for so long. Right. Yeah. That was another part that I wondered, too. If these people had seen it in the movie theater, would they have felt differently about it? I don't know. If they'd seen it six months ago in the movie theater. Yeah, and this is such a weird time. People were waiting for this for so long to watch it, so... Yeah, and maybe they were hoping maybe it would, were like... spoiled or something. Maybe they were hoping that it would solve all the problems right, or something. Yeah. Maybe this movie can be the next... I don't know. I mean, people have talked about Get Out just because I guess there is a little bit of a twist of modern white supremacy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> There's a cat over my shoulder. Um, but I mean, modern white supremacy fucking exists. It is here. And it's, I mean, it's really not that far removed from reality, honestly. Right. A white supremacist theme park is just not beyond the realm of possibility right now. <laughs> right. Really isn't. I mean, I don't think it's that big a jump. Civil War reenactment is really a thing that people can pay to go do, so it's just sort of one extra step of like, hey, <laughs> pay a little extra and some of these people aren't here voluntarily, you know, mm-hmm. for that extra dash of realism. What both of these movies, what Get Out and Antebellum, are both saying is that white people would enslave black people if they could. That's a if thing they that would still happen yeah. if they could, they would. I mean, I mean, you just want to say, like, oh, the white man, I'm the worst, I got it, I'm the villain now, you know, and maybe that's a thing that people don't like. They feel like they're hearing that over and over. White men don't like, I mean. Yeah, but what's interesting is it does kind of feel like the white man doth protest too much. Like, why are you so upset about it? If you know it's not you, then you shouldn't be upset. I'm married to a white man, and he's not always like, God, I feel like you're just always talking shit about men, and it hurts my feelings. He's like, no, men are the worst. I know that. Right. <laughs> I know that white men are the fucking worst. Right. And he's trying to live his life in a way that makes amends for that rather than just constantly being offended. So yeah, why are these people so upset yeah. about this shit being called out? Because it is happening. A lot of people want to feel like we're a post-racist society. We had a black president. There's no segregated water fountains. Everybody can vote. And I think they just feel like, God, when is it ever going to be enough for you? Or, you know, Or even like calling this movie antebellum, which means before the war and it actually is taking place right now implying we're in pre-war now i mean i guess if people are thinking about it that literally (laughs) or even i mean you could think about it literally as in it's not even pre-war really it's actual war because people Mm -hmm. are dying 
Right. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I've definitely had, since the election and even the last six months, it feels like if we have a war, I feel like it's a time where the country is so polarized. Thinking about certain people in my family, if we have a civil war, we're not on the same side. Having those thoughts. And I feel like it's very real. It feels like a real possibility sometimes. Mm -hmm. How long can we go on like this before something blows up and we have a civil war? It's really scary to think about. I'd be interested to see what Logan thought about it, too. I can't wait to hear what they thought about it because... We could put it a little... Yeah. with kids, I would love to know what they thought, too. I just think about being a kid and what <laughs> yeah. I learned in school about slavery. It's so whitewashed. And I grew up in North Florida in the 80s. We learned about slavery, but as a child, I don't know that I processed exactly. I knew it's bad, but you don't get all of the... Oh, yeah. Abraham Lincoln came in and <laughs> Emancipation Proclamation, and then it's over, and everybody right. was excited. But when I was a kid, every grade did a play, and I remember we sang songs about picking cotton. I just remember <laughs> that looking back, like, and I'm just like, what the fuck yeah. kind of message were adults sending to us? And it was like a song that had a dance to it. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Was it the jump down, turn around, yes. bale of cotton song? Yeah. We, yeah. we performed that. I believed in my soul I could pick a bale of cotton. I believed in my soul I could pick a bale of day. Oh, Lordy, pick a bale of cotton. Oh, Lordy, pick a bale of day. Yeah. Like as a school performance. It was part mm-hmm. of an American history play. We did that in elementary school, too, like, in Virginia. <laughs> It's like we're no. so, Amy's wow. shaking her head over like here. We're, <laughs> she had a Yankee upbringing. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't do that in the suburbs of New York. <laughs> I mean, it, I remember thinking like, oh, this is a fun part of the play because we get to do a little dance. I know. Isn't it fun? And, and, and cotton. And, but as a child, yeah. you don't process these things. Remembering well, you just, it later, Your teacher knows like, everything and they tell you this is yeah, how it was. And they're like, like, I guess that's how it was. It was fun. I feel like we studied the Civil War in my school every fucking year. So much about the Civil War every year. And every year on a test, there was always a question that was like, name three to five other reasons for the Civil War besides slavery. Oh, yeah. They really played up the economic states' rights thing. So hardcore. And they played up the thing about, I mean, this is actually true, but they played up in my elementary school that Abraham Lincoln was more about unifying the country than about abolishing slavery. Mm-hmm. Which is actually true. The many things that weren't true were that it was about anything other than slavery, because it wasn't. I guess it's all tied together. Yes, your economy will collapse because your economy is built on slavery. (laughs) But if you're part of the union, we'll fucking take care of you. That's not what you're fighting for. Ugh, there's so much in this movie. Like, as you were saying, how bad can it possibly be if it makes you have conversations? Right. I wonder if part of it is that the people who were watching it wouldn't normally like a horror movie, because it really is a horror movie first and foremost, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. And I feel like maybe a lot of the critics were expecting it to be less of a genre picture. I don't know. I can't work it out. Some reviewer through the Rotten Tomatoes saying it's just like a trauma porn kind of thing. I can see that, but I felt like she escaped. Mm -hmm. And what I took away from it in present day, 
She's an activist. She's a well-known expert on inclusion. And her book was called Shedding the Coping Persona. Okay, so this was my epiphany in bed. <laughs> I was thinking about that because she's at her summit in New Orleans at the hotel. And she's talking about black people and black women especially are supposed to just be seen and not heard. And she was saying, don't assimilate be who you are and that's your power and you deserve shedding the coping persona and not assimilating the roadmap to revolution for historically marginalized people but then you see when she's eaten the interaction she has with Kiersey from Sweetheart. We never learned her real name, but they, uh, they give her, her the name Julia. Julia. They yeah. call her Julia. Yeah, and she knew, she recognized her. Yeah, yeah this woman's she, mm-hmm. famous and she's gonna go to her like What's the plan? You know, yeah, she did that. Exactly. She's and like, then, this woman's known for fighting against right. white supremacists. What are we doing? Oh, what is the plan? You think I haven't tried? I know you. And I know that you are my only way out of here. And I- was disappointed to learn that Eden was saying, we have to wait. We must choose. But until then, we keep our heads down and our mouths shut. Do you understand me? Eden is saying, these people will kill you. Julia is like, oh, are you just all talk or something? Like, remember Mm -hmm. she she pushes her out of the house and and is like, you're not going to do anything? Yeah. You know, leader. That's what I took away from it is society is always trying to make black people smaller Mm -hmm. and always trying to keep them at a certain level. Well, that's the whole point of that place, too, was like everybody that was there, we assume, we don't really learn. So I got a couple hot props. Shut up. Hot props is on. Oh, shit, yeah. One of my hot props is that we don't really learn that much about the other people that are there. All these people are, we assume, prominent black people, or at least people who stood up for themselves in some way, because it seems like that's what Jen Malone's deal is. She's finding people who are problems right. and kidnapping them <laughs> right. to get them out of the way and subjugate them further and put them in their place. I'm a bit of a talent scout. Oh, so you're a headhunter. That makes sense. I'm a headhunter. <laughs> So it seems like everyone there probably has a story. I mean, even if they're not people who stand up, you know, everyone has a story. But we should have learned a couple more stories. And I definitely would have liked to learn more about the Kiersey Clements story. My biggest hot prop with the whole movie is how her character's handled and how she ends up killing herself. Because I feel like that, unless... It would have been redeemed if they had found a way to make it a Sandra Bland kind of thing where she didn't really kill herself. Right. Even the little time we spent with her, I feel like she wouldn't have killed herself. She would have been like, fuck it, now that I've had a miscarriage, I'm even angrier and i am mm-hmm. definitely got nothing to lose. I'm going to fight back. I feel like that was cheap and I didn't appreciate that. So those are my two biggest hot problems. They didn't tell us enough about the other characters that were there and I feel like she betrayed her own character by killing herself. I kind of saw it as it was a part in the story where seeing her kill herself kind of like is like it makes Janelle. It was Monet definitely go a like, motivating thing okay, for her. Tonight, like, yeah, like, but that's right. I feel like that's a cheap way to yeah. go. That's a trope. We want to talk about tropes. 
somebody killed themselves or like actually two tropes in a row miscarriage trope and suicide trope they could have gone about that a little bit more subtly and had something like smaller they've established Janelle character enough any kind of thing could have symbolically triggered her into action I think too that I've seen it writer thing is that I don't totally agree with this but suicide is always bad writing which it feels a little unfair I mean people really do commit suicide yeah. but you know it's sort of like if you write in a suicide you have fucked up somehow you sort of yeah. wrote yourself into a corner yeah they had someone die so the main character <laughs> could learn or yeah I mean it's story. akin to like dead mom or what you know there's, oh like all those <laughs> there's ways to do all those things that actually do serve the story but I think that they're often used as lazy tropes right that's also that is a, you know just like a dead woman as character development for someone else mm-hmm. it, that is a very tired trope that is <laughs> yeah, an exhausting yeah. it's usually a wife or a mother yeah which is also fucked up. Why is there got to be a fetus involved to make us care about this person? Why <laughs> right. You know. But the thing that was interesting about her being pregnant was you'd assume immediately that it was a rape, you right. know, pregnancy. Mm-hmm. But when you find out that she's actually just like a normal person kidnapped, that it probably was an intentional pregnancy. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess you can't say either way because she... We don't yeah, know enough no, about her. We don't know it, anything about her. I but. think it was. Because first, when she says, you know, I'm pregnant, well, maybe she just has complicated feelings. Even though it's under these circumstances, it's still her baby. You know, I'm yeah. kind of like, why do you want to have a baby? Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then it's like, okay, so she was probably pregnant on purpose. I mean, that was a good thing about the way we had to watch this because of the uncertain times. We had to stream it. And it was a 48-hour rental. So it was good to watch it. And then let's re-watch the opening 40 minutes knowing yeah. what we're watching this time. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. We yeah. wouldn't have been able to do that if we'd just gone to the bathroom. <laughs> like we're just keep sitting here. <laughs> <laughs> Hide in the bathroom till the next showing. I kind of thought their white friend, presumably this is a woman who gets... I don't know, like, oh, that's strange. You had bad service. My service has been impeccable. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. This hotel has been so off. The front desk, they didn't clean my room. So I'm not even holding my breath to turn down service. It's probably a mess. Really? So strange. My service has been impeccable. Yeah, that's maybe a hot prob right there. Like, uh, like why wouldn't like, she? Especially because I think she's educated and. In it could the, be a case where she's sort of like in real time cluing in herself, you know, like, oh, that's weird. Oh, wait, maybe it's not weird, you know? Right, right. I mean, they all just sort of yeah. share this knowing look after she says that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Right. We're in Louisiana. Next call. You blow it tonight, girl, and it's keggers with kids all next year. We have Logan Green Hello. on Characters with Kids. Logan watched and developed with us I on did. opening night, so to speak. What did you think, Logan? It was good. I think it was definitely like intense at some parts, but it was really good and the twist was cool. I really like when you like rewatch a movie and like, oh, that makes more sense now. Yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah, it was good. <laughs> what was the biggest thing that you noticed that clued you in? in retrospect to the fact that the Uh, plantation was in present day. I think like just like the modern day way of talking fell really off. Yeah. Like the way like they were like using state names that like might not have existed back then felt really weird. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You noticed something about the flag, right? Oh yeah, the flag was like historically inaccurate. But I'm like, whatever, I'm sure Oh we all knew that, of course. I'm like, I'm sure they just wanted to make it more recognizable, but no, it was like (laughs) <laughs> it was a clue. 
that smart middle schoolers will pick up on. <laughs> I really liked, I don't remember her name, but the side character who was like yeah. really confident and like the comic yeah. relief. She was great, obviously. <laughs> and then the main character was also fun. Do you have any hot props with it? Oh, yeah. You didn't it's a good like question. about it? No. I mean, it did feel, I don't know, I didn't really have any problems with it. Like, it felt weird at first, like, oh, wait, so that's what was happening the whole time? But, like, it was cool. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a couple horror movies by now. Yeah. Uh, how would you rate it on a scary scale? Um, I think it was less scary and more, like, intense at parts. There were definitely, like, good suspenseful parts. I think it's just different from a lot of horror movies I've watched. Like, it's not, like, the conjuring type of scary. It's, like, <laughs> yeah. real people kind of. Yeah, it's just more, like, reality-based. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> just kind of a different type of scary. But it was good, and it was scary. Oh, I have one question. Do kids your age listen to Janelle Monae's music? Or is that just for older people? <laughs> I don't know them by name. But do you, maybe. Do you know who Janelle Monae is? No. So she's Nothing. like the star of this movie. Oh, cool. And she's queer. Oh, that's cool. Is she did the opening number of the Oscars where she dressed in the midsummer outfit. Because <laughs> she just really wanted to get Pax's attention. <laughs> yeah. And she said something about like, I stand before you as a black queer woman or something. Tonight we celebrate all the amazing talent in this room. We celebrate all the women who directed phenomenal films. And I'm so proud to stand here as a black, queer artist telling stories. Happy Black History Month. Yeah, I don't I don't know her, but maybe. All right, thank you, Logan. Right, yeah. Let's talk about that opening shot, actually. Because, oh, yeah. like, I don't, I didn't see anybody talking shit about that, which I was surprised by because I feel like that would be immediately where you would go. Not because it was bad. I didn't think it was bad. And I'm always impressed by tracking shots. Yeah. That are long, unbroken, a lot of stuff happening. I mean, that thing went a long way. It started at a little white girl in yellow, the ghostliest living child <laughs> I've ever seen, running to her Southern Belle mom, and then it pans over to the Confederate soldiers marching, and then the anachronistically incorrect Confederate flag that Logan noticed, which is oh funny because that's a testament to a modern middle school education is that Amy's child noticed that, and we were like, oh, what, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to people enslaved who are doing laundry, washing white sheets. They spend a lot of time on the white sheets blowing in the breeze. And women working on the laundry, but then straightening up and smiling when the soldiers walk by, but then their faces fall. I mean, it just goes on and on. And then you see Janelle Monae's character slumped over a horse. And then eventually we end up at this attempted prison break by three of the characters. And one of them doesn't get out alive. Mm-hmm. And it's brutal as fuck. It ends on the woman who's about to be murdered, I think, right before she breaks into a run. And then there's the run that's in all the trailers where she's running across a field and, you know, she's all sweaty and she's pulling up this impossible dress trying to run faster through the field and she's being pursued. And I mean, there's a lot of really powerful imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the other thing was that it's at sunset <laughs> as, <laughs> as it's going. It's the magic hour, and you can see the sunset happening. Mm-hmm. So you know that there was so much coordination involved in the shot, and they had to do it at a specific time, and they had to be done. They had, like, an hour to shoot this thing perfectly. And you can't just be like, let's do it again tomorrow on a film set because right. it's expensive to get it all set up again the next day. So, I mean, that shit's impressive, but some people might think, oh, that's gimmicky. Everyone's just trying to be Altman. And, uh, <laughs> it does, that's funny. I love an opening long tracking 
packing shop. I mean, I feel like lots of movies have had that, but it makes me think of the player. That's like yeah. my first. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah, I like the default the first person to do that. No, he's not the first, and there's been lots, but it's just funny what people associate something with. Yeah, you know? it's called the Altman or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that's everyone goes. Everyone goes to the player. Um, but yeah, I mean that shit's impressive, and yeah. I feel like as first-time filmmakers, they were able to pull that off. Mm-hmm. But I was surprised that there weren't more people poo-pooing that since they were poo-pooing so much else in the movie that I thought was fine. I like it. It makes me feel totally immersed in the world. Going to the house and then panning out and seeing all these huge trees with the moss hanging from it and it looks like what it would have looked like in Annabelle South. I thought it was a great opening scene. Yeah. I liked it. And then I didn't really notice until we watched the first 40 minutes again after. I didn't notice Janelle Monet on the horse. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize it followed her. She was caught and brought mm-hmm. back. It was a cool scene, I thought. Mm-hmm. Let's see. There's just so much to talk about. I feel like we could do this all day. But, well, let's, I mean, should we do something? I don't know if it'd be fun necessarily, but we could do some meaningful passages. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. From the segment that was what we thought was modern, but was actually the earlier part with the, uh, how do you pronounce it? Gabourey? Gabourey Sibide. Gabourey Sibide. Yes, her. She's All one of those Joey Pants people where they're like, oh, Gabby. Gabby Sibide. Gabourey Sibide. That segment, that was... That was fun. That was nice and funny. <laughs> That's a good review. Uh, yeah, we needed that because yes. you kind of don't even realize you're oh, holding your breath yeah. until it finally fucking cuts to her waking up in her beautiful house yeah. with her beautiful husband and her beautiful mm. child. You're just like, oh my God, thank God that part is over. The first part is yeah. so brutal. Yes, and then later when you think it's going back to the <laughs> you're like, no, and then she's just like doing yoga. She's doing yoga. Oh, okay. yeah, she's all sweaty and upside down oh, and you're like, this can't be good. Yeah, but, uh, she's, <laughs> it's fine. Let your booty do that yoga. It is really interesting that she has the same pillow. <laughs> the striped pillows. The visual trickery. It's important that the pillow is the same, but I just thought it was funny. What's with those pillows? <laughs> Gabby Sibide's character was amazing. Gaboray Sibide. She was so fun in the restaurant. I loved Good Morning. Good morning. Good morning. How is the number one relationship True. specialist in the world doing this morning, dog? Well, Oh, just flourishing. She basically talks like a drag queen, which she even does like the drag queen tongue click at one point. Now, so Camille's half the video ass, right? I really like when she says, how often do I get my V? How often do I get my V? Twice a year? Funny thing to say to your friend. <laughs> I like when she says, did I interrupt? I'm going to continue talking. <laughs> yes. That was really great. You know, I'm, I really enjoyed my session, but I'm really glad I stayed for that. Wasn't it fantastic? It was. Well, Camille. I, I'm this, sorry, this did I interrupt? Not... I'm going to continue to. I really have to steal her. Sorry oh. to interrupt. I love the interaction with the crappy hostess. Right. The, the Becky. Yeah. The Becky. <laughs> Thank you so much, Becky. Thank you You're so much, Rebecca. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much, Rebecca. You're doing great. I love the voice she puts on when she says that. And yeah, just the whole fucking situation is so inspirational. That yeah. she's like, no, we're not going to have this terrible table. And I mean, you know that there's a story behind it, too, because the bitch at the concierge desk made the reservation. Yeah. So she probably said something about what table they should get when she made the reservation which is so fucked up this table is 100% not acceptable and I think that you know that don't you um, Becky um, mm-hmm. listen I'm actually not gonna go back and forth with you about exactly why this table is unacceptable you're gonna seat us over there 
Oh, um... And it was just this continuation of microaggressions. Right. I liked all the microaggressions that... I mean, I didn't like them, but I thought it was well-written, all of the microaggressions that existed in that time. Even a successful black woman with a happy life still has to put up with this shit right. constantly. Right, like you're so articulate. I believe it was a roundtable discussion about inclusion. He was so articulate. It must have been a ratings bonanza. Why wouldn't she be articulate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> She's an author. She's a PhD, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I liked the, uh, he's coming this way, ooh, about the guy who's coming over for oh, okay. a drink. Oh, <laughs> Pardon me, ladies. That is the thing that ladies do. They just periodically reference salt and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> At least me and my friends do. <laughs> I feel like everything I wrote down was from Gabourey Sibidi's character. Bay. <laughs> no, I wrote down something that Kirsty Clemens said, which was, what has being quiet ever gotten us? Oh, you think being quiet is being strong, huh? What has that ever gotten us? I mean, that definitely goes back to how she's so outspoken in her normal life, and then when she gets into this extreme scenario, her calculations change based on her fear, but then eventually she's able to get over that to escape. Another criticism I saw, actually one of them might have even been one of the blog critics, was it's insulting that she's the first one to think of escaping. Guards all these other people idiots, why wouldn't they try to escape? But I feel like it was well established that people did try to escape all the time. Right, because yeah. Because that I... burning shed constantly. Right. Had smoke coming out of it. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would assume she's the only one that ever tried to escape. They just you know? didn't say it. It is a hot problem that we didn't hear anyone else's story, but you can still infer things right. based on the established world. Oh, I have a question though, okay. which is who are these people <laughs> that are the soldiers in this place? We know the plantation owner is some sort of political guy. At one point, they drive past a re-elect this dude sign. I forget what his name is, but... So he's running for some sort of public office and is currently in public office. And his daughter is Jenna Malone. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, right, right, right. And then her husband and their ghostly child. Right. <sighs> but then who are all the soldiers and shit? Because they're there every day. So it's not just like vacation Westworld style. There's yeah. also a point where they're like six weeks later. Mm -hmm. They're just there every day. <laughs> Why? <laughs> That's what are they doing there? Is it that some of the soldiers are vacationers and then they just work there, but it's all part of the whatever they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. No, that kind of doesn't make sense like when you really think about yeah. it. Like, I think that's one of my heart probs too. Like I would have <laughs> liked to know what are they planning with this park. Okay, so this was just like a question I had. Is he trying to win an election? His cell phone rings and he goes out to answer it and he's like, well, what's our play? Well, look, the ballot box will go our way. The court will follow one way or another. It's on the controls, anything else. He's saying, what are they showing on the news? The news is showing Janelle Monet's daughter, like, oh, she's missing her mom or something. I see her pathetic husband on the news one more time, bringing around that little girl. Definitely well, sounds like place... the husband is on the news every day. He's not giving up looking for his Yeah. Well, what is this guy planning? He's going to take over some office and then they're going to keep kidnapping all these people and expanding the boundaries mm -hmm. of the park and trying to make it slavery times again or these racist white supremacists taking back their birthright this is our land you know like i mean there definitely is like a lot yeah. of that vibe right he gives that speech at dinner about this is our birthright we are descendants of the gods 
and we will fight with the same immeasurable courage and vigor. We will sacrifice our blood and fertilize this soil of our homeland. This is the only hope we have of retaining our heritage, our way of life. This land was always ours. It is our rightful inheritance. And rest assured, our national estate will not be stolen from us by these traitors to America. And it sounds like the kind of speech that a general would have given in antebellum times, and it also sounds like the kind of thing that a <laughs> white supremacist would say now. And it is both of those things. Right. Um, and we do know that, you know, there's fucking proud boys do have it in their head that they're gonna start a revolution at some point they really literally do mm-hmm. that's their whole thing and we do see those guys marching with the torches at one point like in charlottesville it's just like a kkk summer camp where they're also planning their uprising while getting to subjugate black people for fun. On the one hand, it would have been nice to know more about what their ultimate end game is, but on the other hand, we don't necessarily need to know. To, I mean, I think yeah, that the is the, that's it there. What's the ultimate dream of a white supremacist? Like, you get to actually have a slave, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I think yeah. that, like, you know, this yeah. is, you Living know, this dream. is what I want to do. I want to subjugate black people. The civil rights movement mm-hmm. has gone too far. We're taking it back. That was my sense of it, is that you have the regular Civil War reenactment where tourists can pay and go dress up like a plantation owner or whatever. And then there was this sort of secret, deeper level where there are people here who are actually really here against their will. You know, it was almost like an underground prestige thing. You know, I don't know, I was thinking about how you can pay a bunch of money to kill an elephant in Africa. Something that's technically illegal, but... The most dangerous game. Just the idea that for some people, nothing is off-limits. Well, the thing that made, like, muddled it a little bit, I guess, is just those two bumbling guys that were the soldiers that we follow a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the one guy who has time alone with Kiersey Clemens, and his whole vibe is so weird. You said that... I was pretty. Uh, Of course you are. Anyone can see that. Is his deal pretending to be a sweet guy to get a woman alone and then beat the shit out of her? You heard Commander Jasper. You speak only when given permission to do so. Is that not right? Yes, sir. Uh, I mean... Daniel. No, it's Sar! Or is his deal, he's really conflicted, and if so, why the fuck is he there? What's his deal? And then his friend is later on making fun of him, saying he's a snowflake. (laughs) Who are these guys? What what the fuck is their deal? I feel like if they hadn't spent extra time with those two guys, it wouldn't have brought up a lot more questions. That scene with Kiersey Clemens where he goes to her cabin and he's going to have his way with her and she's trying to appeal to his humanity. You don't have to do this. I can tell you're special. You're not like the others. Those monsters. In the dining hall scene, he seems like maybe he's maybe like got a shred of humanity, but it just seemed like she tried to appeal to this white supremacist humanity so she would be seen as a human in return. And it's like, that doesn't work with these Mm -hmm. psychopaths. Yeah, that's like actually the worst thing you can do. Right. Why do you speak to me? Uh, 
I just thought we should have a proper introduction. You have a short memory then. I thought that was a really interesting scene with like the toxic masculinity on top of white supremacy and it's like you gotta fight back. These people uh -huh. are depraved and they're psychopaths. <laughs> I think that is something that kind of sets it above some of those Oscar bait slavery movies. It really is saying there is no shred of, you know, these people aren't victims of circumstance. Mm -hmm. They're just bad people. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's not extend any sympathy to them whatsoever. I mean, I feel like that's a bold statement, and it's something that needs to be said. Why are we trying to appeal to their humanity when they're right. acting in these inhumane ways all yeah. the time? Who are we kidding? Why are we trying to do that? Yes, like with where <laughs> right. we are now, there's no point in trying to have a discussion with these QAnon, birther, you name it, white supremacy, Trumper people. There's no reaching across the aisle. Right. Like, why am I doing yeah. that? That <laughs> doesn't, doesn't get us any. You really mm -hmm. have to just... You have to write them off. You have to take the power, do, power you know. away from them. There's no reconciling. It's like with the eugenist, race scientists. Mm -hmm. You can't have a conversation with those kinds of people because they are so wrapped up in their propaganda and their mm -hmm. racism. Maybe we did just get to the bottom of why all these white male critics didn't like this movie. Because <laughs> they're like, I feel like it just painted these racists as villains. <laughs> I don't know. People want to think this couldn't happen now, you know? Yeah. Slavery happened a long time ago, and it couldn't happen now. I mean, I think that's what people want to think. Yeah. And they're wrong. We had a black president. What more yeah. do you want? You know? Like, yeah. Ugh. It's fucking fascinating. I look forward to seeing this whole thing unfold more. It's like <laughs> if in one day we've got over 100 reviews. I think they're going to keep coming and I want to hear more I'm looking forward to the cycle of the think pieces, you know, right. the trashing and then the rebound and the backlash. and all. I feel like there's yeah. going to be a lot of back and forth. I think so. And I mean, it might even all change after whatever the fuck happens in November. Oh, jeez. Right. I might even yeah. change our opinions about it. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the you think how much has changed from when they made this movie to now. Which is also interesting considering the themes are, I mean, not exactly timeless, but definitely, like, <laughs> timely. I mean, they're just in time, in this time, this time period. The darkest timeline. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. We kind of got away from meaningful know, passages. Anyone have any... Have, I like, are we vegan this week? Okay. On a Tuesday. What is a special occasion? Well, I was informed it was pancakes or nothing, so, you know, we got to pick up battles. Um, question, <laughs> are we vegan this week? Babe, struggle is real. <laughs> and then uh, I see a play date in our future. No, is that Kennedy? Will you move the camera over? Oh, she's so cute. She'll make a perfect little companion for my daughter. I see a play date in our future. Oh, oh that was so creepy. I mean, know? even before we knew what her deal was, that right, was creepy like, well, as shit. I really don't see a play date in your future. <laughs> right. Oh, God. I know that kind of just speaks to moms who are like, no, thank you. Right. <laughs> oh, no. It'll definitely happen. <laughs> I thought it was really nice that they put in a little bit about even Janelle Monet has doubts about having to be all these things as a working oh, yeah. mom and wife. Yeah, and, I just yeah. feel like I'm not doing enough. I just feel like I'm not doing enough. It's like when I'm at home, I'm not working enough. When I'm working, I'm not home. I'm not mom enough. I'm not wife enough. Mm -mm 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 -mm. That's such a universal 
fuck. That even she can feel that way, and then also to have her friend be like, shut the fuck up. Okay, you listen to me now, okay? Yes, you're a superwoman, but you're also a human woman. Okay, and you are doing awesome. And Miss Kennedy, or as the world will one day refer to her, Madam President, is living her best life thanks to you, okay? So be nicer to yourself, please. You're great. You're doing mm -hmm. awesome. <laughs> I love it when friends love each other in a movie, yes. especially yes. women. Yes. I think that was really well done. I love to see a healthy marriage and partnership because I feel like you don't see that enough in movies. Yeah. People are like, it's not interesting if you're not fighting or someone's not cheating on somebody. I like that. I thought that was cool. I do think one of the underlying lessons is she should have gone out with her friends. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Take a fucking night off, mom. Like, you don't have right. to. She does have a very it. early flight. Her flight. But she said she made the early flight oh, so she could get right. home there to her daughter. <laughs> wow. No, I have a 6 a.m. flight. I promise Kim can I take her to Katie's birthday party. Okay. Alright, it's fine. We will keep you abreast of all of our hotivities via text anyhow. Please do. I, I, I want to know everything. The hotivities going to be popping tonight. She specifically right. says, I have to get home to Kennedy. Yeah. You know, make the flight later. Make the flight later. And I do like that her husband earlier on was like, what if you don't go? I don't know. You have these obligations, but you don't really have obligations. Like, you are a free black woman who can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm -hmm. Do whatever the fuck you want. I like that that was called out a couple times. That's yeah. something you don't see very, and it's subtle, and I feel like maybe people missed that because they were so preoccupied with some of the other things that were going on, but I like that. And to have two men write a woman with those yeah, sorts of complicated feelings true. is yeah. also very refreshing. So thank you for that, Bush and Renz. <laughs> what else does a suicide need, huh? The politician, he has these lines where he's like, it brings me no pleasure to do this. Mm -hmm. And then he's like torturing Janelle Monet. It brings me no joy to do this. <laughs> and then there was a scene where he's raping her and then he's like, sweet dreams. Yeah. Just seeing that kind of like... I mean, he's definitely fully embodying... The plantation owner mindset right, of yeah. like this person is my property they're not even a person i'm responsible for you now and i will tame your savage ways and any kindness i extend to them is going above and beyond that's good real good everything will be all right now and, uh, you can stop that crying I'm so nice because I said sweet dreams after I raped her. I'm so nice <laughs> yeah, that part I was just like... I gave her a name and I want her to say it proud. He's like, say it proud, the name that he gave her. And then it's like this fucking biblical, creepy, Eden. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's all because her existence in the real world threatens his desires, I guess. What he wants is to be in charge of everything and have everything be whitewashed and male-washed and that she threatens that, makes him want to make her his his pet and his plaything and his... Oh, it's so fucked up. It's yeah. so fucked up. But definitely there are people like that. I mean, I think our president is a person like that. Mm -hmm. He would do that shit if he could. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like white supremacy and also paternalistic mm -hmm. wrapped up with it, too. He's talking about how... I mean, it's definitely like, sexism, it's too. It's not just yeah, racism. It's, like, it's my responsibility to help you, or, right. you know, like a white man's yeah. burden kind of thing. 
He's definitely like the embodiment of the patriarchy, but the patriarchy is fucking real. (laughs) Right, and it's wrapped up in white supremacy, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that to me is one of the most telling parts, is towards the climax when she has him trapped in the, whatever you call it, the smokehouse thing, you know. And she gets the other boot. She's like, the general is hurt. What the fuck are you doing out here? The general's hurt. He's hurt. Please come clean. What are you doing? Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Please let her of course she would be very worried if this man was hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. How people just cannot see themselves as the bad guy. Why would she care if this <laughs> man <right>. was hurt? <laughs> <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> well, I mean, yeah. They're that's just how like... convinced people are. The white man feels like that's right. the default they... setting for yeah. humanity. Right. Yeah, she uses that to her advantage to get right. them in that they don't even question that yeah Yeah. yeah. i feel like that rings true because earlier on that same fucking guy with the mustache (laughs) is like i'm gonna be nice because i know you were raped last night well you're forgiving your tardiness this time don't make it a habit the stocks are great it's okay that you were late to your cotton picking job this morning (laughs) but don't let it happen again and then being like oh if she can't even walk straight i guess i'll be nice and let you take her back to her cabin to help her have her miscarriage. What the fuck is the issue? She's sick, son. Oh, dick. Come on, go, go get yourself cleaned up. May I go with her? She can handle herself. Get back to work. Sir. Ah. Fine. Go clean her up. Get back here. I mean, he really did think I'm being nice by doing this shit. Right, right. yeah. They're very concerned with their power. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Right. If anything, I know. I'm too much of a softie. <laughs> right. Yeah. It I all mean, rings very true to me. Yeah, it did feel like they really think they're a benevolent... Oh, no. Yeah. They really do think that they are the superior. I mean, that's white supremacy is literal. <laughs> yeah. I like smiling at they, you while yeah. they're torturing you. Yeah. Yes. I don't think that it makes them cartoonish because mm-hmm. they literally think that way. Right. It's just, that's what's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it, but it's fucking true. <laughs> One thing I noticed on our partial rewatch was. When the plantation owner guy is giving that speech at dinner and he holds up the Union Army coat and is like, we won this battle and this is what victory looks like, he says when he holds up the coat. I want to congratulate you on the defeat of the Yanks at Milligan's. This is what victory looks like. And then he keeps that coat in his rape shack. And she steals the coat at the end. That very long shot of her riding through the Silver reenactment with the hatchet on the horse. And she's got the coat on. I was just thinking, when I rewatched that part, we didn't get to that part at the end. But she's, this is what victory looks like, he says. And she's wearing that coat. Yes. I like yeah. that. Yeah. I think that's a nice that's little cool. touch, right? Yeah. <laughs> this is what victory looks like. Right. Sweaty. Holding a hatchet. (laughs) Charging through all these fucking white supremacists to freedom. Yeah. To the gift shop of freedom. (laughs) We're just on the other end. I liked this movie. I did. I liked it. The more I talk about it, the more I realize I really did like it and I will defend this. Yeah, I want to see it again. (laughs) Yeah. 
We did have a very hard time coming up with a lunchtime poll. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. There is the brief interlude where they get to go out for dinner, these three women who are friends. And while they're at dinner, this man at the bar is making eyes at Gabri Sibide. Gabore Sidibe. And he sends over a drink and she's like... <laughs> she has a critique for that. <laughs> she has a critique. She's like, thank you very much. But I just wanted to let you know what you could have done better. I'd be remiss if I didn't take the chance to sort of critique your game just a little bit. I'm sure that you can tell, even from all the way over there, that we're actually drinking champagne tonight. I am a champagne lady, and we are champagne ladies. So sending over uh, vodka cram. Yeah, it just shows lack of appreciation for our situation tonight. So, well, what you should have done is you should have asked our waiter, which, again, champagne we're drinking, and sent over a second bottle of it for all of us. And then you make eye contact with me from across the room. You eye fuck me. He sends her a vodka crayon. She said, looks like vodka crayon, which is, yeah, that's bullshit. (laughs) That is a bullshit drink. (laughs) I mean... To assume someone drinks. I don't know. I'm yeah. sorry. Okay. If you like vodka crayons, <laughs> I'm backpedaling here. If you like vodka crayons, that's fine. But don't ever assume someone will want one, is right. what I'm saying. I do love that she had her number ready in her bra, pulled I it like out. That. And I said, that to say, Oop. here's my number. <laughs> because this can happen. Good night. She goes out for a night out of town with slips of paper with her number on the bra. That is fucking awesome. <laughs> Tear away. <laughs> Tear it away, exactly. Oh my god. I wish I could go back in time and tell my younger self to do that. Anyway, the question on our minds is what drink could a stranger at the bar send over to your table? <laughs> if you're out with your friends, what can they send over that would make you pull your number out of your bra and hand it to them. <laughs> what would work on you? Yeah, what would work on you? sends a drink over and she says he got it wrong, so. Well, I like anything with ginger beer in it, like a mule or something. That would Some be kind cool. of mule. Yeah. <laughs> it's got citrus, it's got the ginger. I would be like, wow, how'd you know I was into that? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I do think she has a very good point of asking the waiter what they were already drinking. Yeah. I mean, that right. seems like, now that you say that, it seems so obvious. That's true. Like, yeah. why would you assume somebody wants a vodka cream? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you'd probably already be drinking a mule of some kind, and they'd be like, let's get them another like, mule. Right, like, <laughs> so the waiter, okay, next one is on me over there. But maybe, like, yeah. whatever you're drinking. If it's, yeah. say, a vodka, step it up to the next level of vodka. Yes. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. That's some classy shit that's, right there. That's classy. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Also, now I'm curious if you ever had someone send something weird over to you. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, Nasty shots. Oh, yeah. Oh, you've had... <laughs> I've never been in a restaurant and had someone send something to me, but in a bar. If I'm standing at a bar at a club or whatever and somebody brings me a drink or hands me a drink, it's like some disgusting shot. It's been a long time since this happened, but, you know, like a buttery nipple or a fucking... <laughs> Something <laughs> gross like that. Rumplemans. Yeah. <laughs> Something with a disgusting, a blowjob. Something with Irish cream in it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs>
Yeah, I've never had a classy situation where some <laughs> mysterious gentleman from across the room, like... A classy situation. I've never been in a classy situation like that. I've been in a bar where people were like, who wants a shot? Or, you know, like, yeah. it's like rando. Yeah, I don't think it was, it's like, or, the gentleman you know, would like to send you a drink. Yeah. I don't think so. Yeah. You know that place, Ohana? Mm-hmm. Is that still there? Love Ohana. Yeah. So I was there for like a happy hour one time, and I was with my friend. We were basically surrounded by men. I mean, not like a bunch, but you know, <laughs> yeah. like four or five. It was just the two of us. And someone walked over, and he kind of like tapped me on the side. I didn't even see him. This is the thing that I didn't follow up, because I literally did not even see him. But mm-hmm. he was just like, here's some chopsticks for you, and walked away. And then it had its phone number on. But <laughs> 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 I always like respected that as a move, because it was like, he didn't try and infiltrate because we were already kind of occupied thought that was kind of nice but i didn't see him my friend said she saw him and wasn't cute or something i literally did not even see who it was so i think that's not great because have some fucking self-respect like i don't know i felt like he just wanted to get in and out of there who's gonna call the number of someone right that's what and this was the days before texting so i would have had to make a phone call to to him you know (laughs) yeah it's the hardest thing to do i mean i didn't do it so if you didn't even see the guy and all you have is a number how would hello sex trafficking line (laughs) i would like to be sex trafficked please (laughs) i respect like someone taking their shot take a shot with your fucking face in there you know so well i mean it's not like he had his face covered it just was quick i didn't see him introduce yourself i don't know i mean i don't know if you saw a guy and there's four or five women already around him talking to him, are you going to walk up and be like, hi, me too? I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's... I uh, respected it. Okay. I respect people taking their yeah. shot. But, All right. But I didn't call him, so, you know. <laughs> so you don't yeah. respect it that much. <laughs> <laughs> you miss every shot you don't take, That's right? That's true. You do and always you also, say that. <laughs> I do say that. I have it is very true, books. yeah. And, you know, you have to remember... Okay, you also sometimes miss the shots that you do take, but I would rather miss the shot that I took. Yeah. I will say that I've never had anybody who has taken a shot in that regard be anything less than a total creep. But I just remember this one guy in Mama's, the Mama's Mexican kitchen, like many years ago. (laughs) I did think it was kind of cute. We were eating chips and guac, and he sent over an extra guac. Aww, you always need extra guac. Which is like what made me call him, but he ended up being terrible. I do respect this. He was sitting at his table. He was writing in his gurnal. What you writing on? My journal. Write my thoughts in it every day. Oh, you mean a, a journal? Yeah, whatever. Guess I'm not all smart like you. So that's the kind of guy he ended up being, but he like waved so I could see his face, I could see who he was and a little bit of what he was about. He let me continue having lunch with my friend. He didn't disturb us, and then I did call him later. So I thought that was a good move, but he ended up being a total psychopath, so. He ended up kind of stalking both me and my friend Faye. Whoa, I'm like, like, I knew it was going to be Faye. Faye, of course Faye. (laughs) spent every waking moment with her for many years. (laughs) He would call for me, and I wouldn't be there, so then he'd just end up being like, well, what are you doing? And she'd be like, uh, no, dude. (laughs) And then after a while, he'd leave these long, this answering machine. He'd leave these long voicemails on our answering machine. That would be like, hi, Jessica, Orfe. Like, eventually, he would just start being like, Orfe, eat Orfe. And then we never called him back. And then finally, he stopped calling. He wanted me to be his personal assistant, quote unquote. I want to go out with you, and I also want to pay you to do things for me. And I was like, 
Uh, Red Flag City, is, no thank you. Is this guy, like, <laughs> significantly older or something? Or like... uh, let's see. So I was, like, in my early 20s, so he was probably, like, 30, maybe. So he seemed significantly older to me at the time. Yeah. I mean, that's significant yeah. at that age. Yeah, you know? yeah. But I was like, no, this definitely seems like it's yeah. heading to a subdom situation, and I'm not. I Personal want no part of it. Personal assistant. Yeah. yeah Personal assistant. And I was like, well, what do you mean, like filing? He's like, no, just anything I need. And I'm like, no, 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 no. If you can't be more specific right now, then I do not want to even ask any more questions. He was also writing a novel. I mean, Red Flag City. But anyway, I thought that was a good move for the guacamole. Yeah. But that wasn't my original answer. (laughs) (laughs) My original answer was just like any kind of bourbon, but like step up the bourbon. Ah. If I'm drinking a bourbon, get me a better bourbon. That's my answer. (laughs) Sorry, Amy. That's okay. That was so it was a long story for a short <laughs> answer. Is bourbon. No, I love learning this stuff. I don't know. I just love the stories. So for me, because I am not really much of a drinker, I thought about this a lot. This kind of sent me on a journey because it's annoying to be someone who doesn't really drink and doesn't have like a good reason for it. But then it made me feel it's actually just annoying to live in a society where you have to give a reason for not drinking. Because then when I thought about it, I was like, it's annoying. People ask, why don't you drink? And I don't really have a good answer other than I just don't really drink and then I was like well it's probably more annoying for someone who does have an answer of I have a drinking problem why do you owe people that story or that explanation I feel like people have a really hard time getting their head around that we're a little segment of society where we don't really drink very often maybe like honestly two or three times a year and so one way that I explain it to people because people just can't get well I don't get it well why don't you drink I I just don't and I'll say Mm. like well do you drink chocolate milk and they're like, uh, not really. Well, why not? You know, yeah. I don't like not drink chocolate milk. I just don't ever drink chocolate milk, you know? Yeah. If someone is having a hard time getting their head around that, then I'll say to them, well, do you drink chocolate milk? But I love chocolate milk. So if someone said chocolate milk over or hot chocolate, <laughs> table, I would like that much better than if they sent a bourbon or a ginger beer mule or champagne. So my answer is chocolate milk. Or hot chocolate, depending on the weather. Chocolatey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Chocolatey's yeah, very good. People don't let it go. Like, they sure with, do like, not. They, they no. will keep asking it over and over again until they have an Like, that's hard, like, in... It is fucked up. In, like, a work situation, especially, like, mm-hmm. with tech companies, that you're like, we have a keg in our office or whatever, and it's so built into the culture. Or even at events, they don't... I think they're getting better about offering fun, non-alcoholic yeah. options. Well, now that seltzer is all the yeah, rage. Yeah. But, like, but, but then like, they have to go and make an alcoholic I know, seltzer. now there's spiked seltzers. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, there are those people in weird social situations with office people or whatever... No, I don't drink. And it's like, come on, come on, have fun. I'm an ex-drinker. Or, you know, like... Yeah, you should not have to have I kind of love all the Ellen backlash that's happening, you know? And one of the things that's come up is when she had Mariah Carey on and she was trying to get her to reveal that she was pregnant and she opened a bottle of champagne and why aren't you drinking this champagne? And then she Mm -hmm. was finally forced to say, okay, yeah, I'm not drinking because I'm pregnant. And Mm -hmm. it's fucked up on many levels, but also that people are not allowed to just refuse a drink because they just don't want to and they don't owe you that. And I remember a time when I was trying to get pregnant, I had a hard time getting pregnant and it was some party thing. And I actually had a drink and, you know, I'm like 
pretty much a one drink maximum. And then later, my ex-husband, a couple of his friends were around. And, you know, we had been married a year or so. We were definitely trying. I think when you've been married for a little bit and you don't have kids, everybody is watching you. Like, when are you going to have kids? And these two women, they were like, oh, so we've been watching you, noticing that you're not having a drink. Got anything to tell? And I actually had an appointment the next day with a fertility specialist. So I had been trying for at least a year then. And I did not handle it well. Like, I was not doing well with all that, you yeah. know? And they were so pushy. They're like, no, I don't think so. I don't... And I finally, I was like, do you want me to start crying, you know? Yeah. I feel like this is kind of a tangent, but it is a real frustration for people. How much that expectation is just built in. If you are not drinking on any given occasion, even in that Ellen mm. thing where it was probably like a morning talk show uh, segment. Right, they're probably you know? shooting it at like 7. Right, you know? Like, probably like, oh, that got 10 million views on YouTube. <laughs> but it's like, why Why does it demand an explanation? Yeah. That's such a culture thing where we just demand explanations for everything we don't have any right to know. You don't have kids, why don't you have kids? It's none of your fucking business. You're a vegetarian, why are you a vegetarian? You don't drink, why don't you drink? I'll tell you what I want to tell you. If I'm not explaining myself, I don't have to explain myself. Why do we expect people to have to explain themselves for everything? Right. I feel like it is a little bit specific with alcohol. If you're like, oh, I have some chips, do you want some? No, thanks. I think mm -hmm. people will accept a no thank you for things other than alcohol. Yeah. It doesn't happen as much, but it used to happen, I feel like, with meat stuff. Oh, like sure. Like, in offices or whatever, they'd be like, we have a big sub sandwich, a ham sandwich. Have some. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> Why not? We have so much of it. Eat it. No, thank you. I don't want to eat it. It's been a long time yeah. since that kind of thing happened to me, but so, anytime a lot of people are doing something and you're not doing it, they're like, we need to know why you're not yeah. doing it. Right. I, yeah, no, I you don't. Being in like an office situation, I had a hard time with alcohol for a number of years, and I remember so much anxiety over these office parties when I first started a job, and it was just like anticipating people wanting to ask you, why aren't you drinking why aren't you drinking and then i hate that people need an answer like yeah they just won't right you know? i'm just not or i just don't feel like it that should definitely be enough and for a lot of people it's not that's our culture yeah. <laughs> right we won't take no for an answer <laughs> <sighs> well, anyway. <laughs> we got very sensitive. I did enjoy hot chocolate, too. We did I, get a little sensitive, but I feel like that was... Hot good. chocolate, or chocolate milk. I do occasionally like a chocolate milk. So. <laughs> no shade. You blow it tonight, girl, and it's keggers with kids all next year. Do you want to answer the lunchtime poll question for this week? <laughs> I don't know. I'll tell you what it is, and then you can yeah. say if you would like to decline. So, if you were somewhere out in public whenever we start doing that again <laughs> and somebody who was cute but you didn't know them tried to get your attention in some way to give you your number what could they do that you would be like okay i'll give my number to this cute stranger um a lot of things but like most of the things oh. coming to my mind are like just like a subtle messages that they're queer. <laughs> like, well, if they played Girl in Red very loudly across the room. <laughs> Wait, what's Girl in Red? It's, it's music. <laughs> it's a song? It's a music artist. Like a band called Girl in yeah. Red? <laughs> so just availability at this yeah. point is what you know. Wait, can we overdub? Oh yeah, Girl in Red, so cool. <laughs> Celebrate your whole catalog. <laughs> oh, very. As it stands, I like it. I still do like it, even though they really probably were limited by being first-time filmmakers. We don't mm -hmm. know what they got turned down on. Yeah. 
First-time filmmakers do not get as many decisions as they would want. Especially something like this was definitely controlled by the studio, obviously, because of how delayed the release was. Clearly, the studio had a lot of power and input into this movie mm-hmm. and what it became. So I would like to hear more from these guys. Yeah. I would be interested in reading many interviews with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I really liked it. I want to see it again. I would love to see an interview with them or some sort of, like you said, like a special features on a DVD oh, or something. I that wish would be director's awesome. commentary. My God. Love. Yeah. Oh my God. Please that do a director's so commentary. I wouldn't watch. Yeah. Please do one. Learning how they came up with the story and why they chose some of the things they did and I and how much of an input job. I would like to know how much of an input Janelle Monáe had in it because mm-hmm. she's such an auteur I love everything she does and she did such an amazing job she's such a terrific actress and <sighs> she's wonderful I do have one question actually what do you guys think was the deal with the butterflies there's yeah. butterfly symbolism everywhere yeah what do you make of that Well, I mean, there's the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I kind of saw it as freedom or fulfilling your... I'm having trouble with this. (laughs) But I don't know. A butterfly is such a symbol of birth or something or like experience, like turning into (laughs) rebirth or living to the full potential being allowed to fly. And that's kind of the symbolism that I Mm -hmm. got from it. And she was talking at the summit about being your authentic awesome self and not shrinking yourself and not forcing yourself to assimilate to what society's trying mm-hmm. to have you be and you know shedding like the coping of, persona <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah shedding yeah. the coping yeah <laughs> there is a butterfly on her the, book on the book cover well, yeah yeah and so, then uh, what's her uh, Piercy Clemens had a she has butterfly, butterfly tattoo. tattoo yeah yeah and I wondered if that was like a reference to her like she looks up to Janelle Monet as like an activist or oh. like or I don't I mean, know maybe, I, maybe that's a, a lot of people have butterflies yeah that's true so, yeah that's true yeah, yeah. and maybe like was... she hadn't she hadn't shed her coping persona mm-hmm. even though she wrote the book right and she yeah. doesn't shed it until the end of the movie maybe and i always see a butterfly too as representing symmetry and i feel the movie is trying to make you that we're antebellum Mm -hmm. now the parallels between now and pre-civil war times Mm -hmm. okay cool what did you think (laughs) Um, i was just kind of understanding it as we were talking just now and i think it is about the shedding now because it just dawned on me that it was on her book and it's on her laptop But it was on her book, and the book is shedding the coping persona, and it's like shedding your cocoon, and... I mean, she definitely is in a cocoon, right? She's in that beautiful house, and she's fighting the good fight, but she's also separated from it. Like, she's not actually confronting the racism face-to-face. She's doing it through a lens, you know, literal camera lens, or she's on stage or what, or through a book. And it's not until she's forced to confront it face-to-face that she's able to fully become... There's no epilogue, really, other than... I mean, I guess there's, like, a tiny bit of yeah. an epilogue with the FBI combing through the grounds, but I felt like that was unnecessary. Right, yeah. I That, might have been that was in my see, notes, too. Like, yeah. we didn't need to see that. We assume that she yeah. follows up on this. She's not just like, okay, guys, I'm home. And plus, we see the cops, or, like, there's sirens coming. Mm-hmm. I do like that it's mostly the FBI, because... As we all know, cops are useless, but... (laughs) (laughs) I was very frustrated when she called 911, and I'm glad they explained to me that it was only because she couldn't unlock the phone. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, why the fuck is she calling 911? Don't call... Never call 911. It's not gonna help. Your one phone call is to 911? No. 
That was so tense when she had to go back into the house oh, and God, get his face. Yeah. I do like what she says, open your eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> I forgot to write that line down, but I love that line. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, wow. I feel like you made some good headway with this thing. Yeah. Maybe we'll have to do like a part two, <laughs> or maybe like a mini-sode where we come back and talk about it after a couple weeks. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, we take a deep dive into J.D. Dillard's 2020 creature feature, Sweetheart, starring Kiersey Clemens. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.